and welcome back to the Just Interesting People podcast. My name is Rosie and I'm here with my co-host and husband Jeremy and today we are talking to Erin. After going viral on LinkedIn thanks to a post about her transition, Erin comes on the show to tell us about her story. As far as she can remember, she always wanted to be a girl. However, she was born as a boy and in a very strict family where this was just not acceptable. So she was not able to explore her gender identity for many years during her teen years. For business reasons, Erin had to travel multiple times to the Philippines and she explained to us how they impacted her in the long journey of becoming who she wanted to be. It's not been easy for Erin, as it's often the case for transgender people, unfortunately. But after years of living in a closet, she's now out and happy to be her true authentic self. And she's ready to embark on this brand new adventure that is her transition. Enjoy the show. Hi Erin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for spending your time here and talking to us. I am so excited and yeah, welcome. I am here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you Erin for taking the time to record this episode with us. We truly appreciate it. Um, we've never met in person. We are very far from each other on, in the world. You're on the west coast of the US. We're in Europe at the moment. But we connected through LinkedIn um, last week, basically, because a few weeks ago you shared a piece of your story on LinkedIn through a post, and this post just went viral, basically. And I've seen it like many people did. And as I'm sure many people did as well, I reached out to you to see if you would be willing to share a little piece of your story with us. And I'm very grateful that you accepted and, and that you came on the show today with us. Of course, of course, it's, it's very flattering. It, it, it appealed to my male pride, which is <laughs> so uh, limited time opportunity. So if we talk about that post, do you want to share with us what you what you shared and kind of talk about what the post was so that the audience can get to know what this episode is going to be about. Yes, um, I, um, I was focused on finding a new job at the time. So I, I, um, I reached out to uh, several of what, uh, my trans sisters um, on, on LinkedIn and I asked for advice. And the piece, one of the pieces that really stuck with me is like, you, you should, if you can, um, interview in your preferred gender because then, like when you're on video or in person, you can see people's uh, body language, eye movements, uh, mm-hmm. resonance in their voice, and, and, and you can tell um, there's actually an interesting body of psychology called microexpressions, uh, which are little flashes of emotion that briefly cross the face. So like disgust or anger or you know, these little magic flashes and so you can see that so you may be not consciously aware of that but like in a conversation you can certainly uh, feel that like somatically in your body uh, because sometimes the reaction we get as trans people is is um, that the other person wants to kill us and you know that's a you know horrible kind of a feeling of, of like safety and, and that was why that advice was given to me it was so radical and and I didn't want to come out and and I was pretty much pressured into it but um, I, that that's kind of uh, what I was facing at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And so, how? What was your reaction when I don't know you post this post on LinkedIn and a few hours or a few days later, you wake up and you have like a million views and I don't know thousands of comments. Uh, mm-hmm. That must have been pretty. Ooh, what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It. Um... It was it was uh, terrifying. It, it was uh, exhilarating. Um, 
It was uh, loving, caring, compassionate. Um, uh, it was such a mix of things. Um, like me, I guess. The, some of the comments are ultra positive and some are ultra negative. There's really nothing in the middle. It's black and white. And, and, and yeah, I just, um, what happened was, is I, I published around 8 o'clock on the 21st. And that's a late, that's late in the day for LinkedIn. Not a lot of people are online. Um, and, uh, and so it didn't really catch fire until the, to the next morning. And I didn't have, um, I don't even think I had the LinkedIn app installed on my phone. So at first I had, I had no idea what was going on. And then I log in and it was like over a million views. And I'm like, what? I, I just, uh, it was, I was baffled. I, I was like, I mean, you know, like, I, look, I'm in marketing and um, the before and after is a, is a classic uh, advertising technique, right? We, we would right. use that all the time in DRTV to sell, you know, artificial turf or, or whatever, right? That before and after. So, yes, I, I was intentional about the graphic and um, I, I was intentional about tagging people in it. But um, I had no idea that it would be relevant to so many people. It just it just blew me away. What were you expecting a reaction to be? Because I feel like there's a lot of people that do go viral and they have no idea, like they really don't expect it at all. Were you expecting just like a couple of people to comment and message or whatever? Was that kind of your expectations to begin with? Well, I remember, I remember talking, I think I remember texting one of my friends and saying something like, hey, I got, you know, 500 Facebook friends, I've got this many Instagram friends, but I have 14,000 connections on LinkedIn. Cause, Ooh, cause that's yeah. part of my background. I, I, um, I, wor I worked in account management. I worked in uh, B2B sales, selling digital uh, advertising. So I, um, you know, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a LinkedIn expert, but I'm pretty damn good at it. I, I know yeah. all the softwares. I know the, how to search. I, I know everything about it. I know it at least as well as I know Google and I'm, and I'm pretty good at that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it would make an impact, but I, I, I had no idea that it would reach uh, 1.5 million people. It's crazy. It's a massive scale, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I thought it would make an impact. I, I knew that, you know, you know, because you have to understand. Um, I talked. To, I was talking to my emotional expert, Busy Gold, about this yesterday, and and she was like, "Hey, Aaron, you're you're ultra mask." Well, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, "You're ultra mask and ultra femme." Most people kind of in between. Mm -hmm. Or they're right in the middle, they're non-binary, they lean femme, they lean mask, and they're going one way or the other. You are like all the way on this side of the spectrum as a male, and then all the way on this side of the spectrum as a female. You're unusual. So um, that's that's kind of, um, I, I think, I think I, I just, yeah, I'm not like a lot of, you know, I look at my other, I look at my trans sisters, and I look at their social media, and I look at them, and I look at their bodies, and it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm very different. I'm black and white. I'm 6'2". I'm 330 pounds. I'm early in my transition. Um, you know, I am very, very, very atypical uh, of, the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the trans uh, tribe, say. Interesting. I see, yeah. So um, I would like to dive into your backstory, uh, in, in a way, uh, just for us and for the audience to understand a little bit about, uh, sure. about that. So, um, can you take us maybe, I guess, where, when you first started to question your, mm -hmm. your gender identity, I guess, that's, I think, would be a good place to start. Yeah, this is, uh, is going to be, 
I'll try to do this without crying. Um, you know, when I, ever since I was a, a, a little boy, ever since I can remember, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to be a girl. Yeah, you know, I was interested in, in girl things. I was interested in coordinating colors and matchy matchy and and, and uh, um, gossiping and, and having parties, you know, and and uh, sleepovers. I, I mean, my parents obviously didn't want to give me sleepovers, but um, I was interested in all those kind of uh, feminine things. Um, <clears throat> but my my parents were very uh, ultra religious, fundamentalist uh, Christian, and so there was no like gender exploration around allowed. I, you know, I've, I've, I've had many friends who showed me pictures of them dressed as a girl for Halloween, mm-hmm. you know, and I never, I never got to do that. Uh, I, I was a dinosaur or, you know, I, I, my mom was so, um, it did not allow any sort of explanation or exploration. Let's just say, right. It was very rigid, very like you're on a train, you're going somewhere. Um, and then, and then, um, and then around age 12, so there was some other events that happened. I, I, um, around that time I was molested. Um, my dad went into the hospital for, um, a bipolar episode. And so he was pretty much like, uh, a vegetable for a year, just not available emotionally, mentally, or in any capacity during this like kind of critical, you know, puberty is, is a, is maybe one of the most significant events of our lives. Mm-hmm. And, and he was not there during that time. Um, I'm trying to get over that. But it, it, the, the, my point is, is he, 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 I didn't, basically didn't have a dad at that time, right? So I had no one to talk to about, hey, dad, I'm, these changes are happening in my body. I don't understand them. They make me feel weird. Like, I couldn't talk to my mom. Um, because my mom was, didn't want to talk about sex. Sex was a forbidden topic. Um, you could not discuss sex. You could not just discuss gender. And then, so, so I felt extremely uncomfortable talking to my mom about anything. And then to kind of compound it, um, I, I had this, uh, fascination, um, with, with women's fashion. So I would, I would get like, um, underwear magazines or or I would try to get my hands on a Cosmo and, and and I would look at the pictures and and um I just uh was really attracted to that and then and then so at, at one point I ended up um dressing up in my my mom's clothes and 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 her, and her makeup and um they um they they <clears throat> this is hard they 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 caught me uh, doing it not like red handed but they they figured out uh, what was going on and and then they they put me into uh, therapy right but but not the kind of therapy that's like interested in your uh, well being it, it was like an interrogation you know it was like why are you dressing in women's clothes what makes you want to do that did some pervert force you to do that. Um, you know, just hard edge questions like that. And, and, um, uh, and, and, and eventually it was kind of the, the line of questioning was kind of like, well, what do we need to do to get you to stop doing this? You know, because my mother just thought it was the most disgusting thing. Like you could just see the disgust on her face. 
-hmm. and and I can still picture it. And 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 she was she used this therapy to I felt like to intimidate me. And so I thought, and then and we talked about it. I, I later spoke to her about it, and and she. In, I actually expressed, I don't remember when, but I, I expressed that. I said, look, okay, um, I understand you, you, you feel violated, um, that I violated you. Late, later, you know, I, I had friends that said, oh, hey, um, my mom um, put her clothes and makeup on me, basically, right? And, and, and you know, um, as, but, but here, here, here I was made to feel... Uh, I was made to feel like uh, abandoned. I was made to feel um, afraid. I was made to feel um, uh, un, uh, uh, atypical. You know, like the black sheep is that, that's one I use a lot. But yeah, way, way bad. And then, and then, and then it was what was communicated. This is the kicker. What was communicated is that what I had done was so wrong. That God hated me. And I was an abomination unto the Lord. And so not only was she disgusted, but she spoke for God. And God was disgusted. And when I asked, yeah, and I and I said, Well, I understand you feel violated. I promise I'll never do that again because clearly you're, you're gonna kill me if I do. So, okay, I give up. You're you're the boss. Uh you can I'm the submissive, you're the dominant, and you, you know, it, it, um, I said, okay, and can I have my own clothes? You know, can I purchase and wear my own clothes? Um, and I was told that if I wanted to pursue that, um, then I would be, uh, ejected from the, the family. I would be, you know, um, not excommunicated or disbarred, but uh, ejected. How about that? I would be, I would be ejected, shadow banned from the family and um, I would be homeless and die, like her, like my mom's uh, brother Hugh, who was a paranoid schizophrenic um, that that died under extremely mysterious uh, circumstances when he was very young in a, in a rehab home. Whew. Wow. I mean. Thank you for sharing for us time. Thank you for your openness and, and yeah, vulnerability to, to share your very personal story. And I mean, family is always complicated. Uh, puberty, like you said, is always a, a complex period in our life because that's, I feel, when we build our personality character, when we kind of become who we are going to become as an adult. Um, mm. And, and 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 exploration, like you mentioned, is usually a critical part during this time. It's when you figure out what you like, who you like, what you want to do, and etc. And then having that taken away from you, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't even imagine the, the impact that must that it had. But um, I can understand the, the frustration that it must have been for you. And um, to to keep going about this exploration, um, because you. Because you did, you, you were not able to do this exploration in your puberty when you should have been doing it. Um, were you able to find that later in your life and to explore and, and understand maybe I don't know uh, who you were and and, and connect mm. with with who you wanted to be? I guess did you manage to have that later? Yes, 
This is the uh, center of the bullseye. Um, the keyword is uh, repressed. I had to repress. Um, when I was 12, I knew that I wanted to be a woman. I had dreams of, of getting tits, of this bottom surgery. I, when I learned that you could do that, um, I knew that even though I wouldn't be like a biological woman, that's, that's what I wanted. It was preferable. But um, I had to make a, a deal with the devil. Um, this desire that I had, um, clearly, it was going to get me killed. So one way or the other. So what I did is I, 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 I uh, it was repressed by my parents because they said, you know, this is not okay. And so, and so I, I then suppressed it. I put it in a little box in the, in the back of my head and I buried it. And I promised myself that I wouldn't open it until I was 18 and I could get away from my parents because I felt like they were trying to kill me. And um, that's what I did. I, I stuffed it. Um, then I went through the, all the therapy, and then um, I developed... Can I, uh, can I interrupt you there? I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, um, it's, it's very interesting what you said that you... I, I, I understand that putting this, those thoughts in a box, putting it away, like burying it, that it's not going to happen. And, but I feel like most of the time when people do that with any, any, any desire or anything, usually there is the intention of this box is away, is buried, and I'm never going to touch it again. It's interesting that you had the, you've done that knowing that when you would be 18, you would get back to this box and, and carry on this journey again. Uh, that is very interesting that you had this thought from there yeah. rather than saying like, you know, this is bad. I'm, I'm, like I've been told I'm not supposed to be this way, so I'm just going to give up on on now. Like you, I find it very interesting that you had the intention of this is for now, but I'm going to go back to it. It, it you know, connecting back to how I felt then, I, I it was all consuming. Like I had dreams mm. of being kidnapped and turned into a woman. I it was it was, I looked at RuPaul. I looked at androgynous like David Bowie, Dennis and Dennis Rodman's cross dressing. I just was fascinated by that. And I just had to carte blanche, put it all in the box. Mm. Um, yeah, I like what you said about some people never, never open it. That's that's yeah. kind of terrifying. Um, no, I, I I was hiding it from my mom. You know, my, if my mom mm. detected even one hint uh, of this, uh, I was dead. Um, and uh, you know, it was kind of like a time capsule. You know, I was always fascinated by those as a kid. The the time capsules. You know, it's like, what in this time capsule will be relevant 20 years, yeah. you know? Um, but yeah, anyway, back to the story. So that was a, that was a good rabbit hole. Uh, so back to the core story. So after the therapy, I developed um, suicidal depression. Uh, but I didn't get any more therapy, you know, because the therapy, the goal of the therapy was to get me to stop being trans. Um, so I didn't get any actual therapy for being depressed. Um, I was put on a um, antidepressant for a little while, so I was medicated. I saw a psychiatrist. Um, it's all very uh, boring. And then um, later in my, oh, I think it was like 15 or 16, my dad, you know, he had an orthopedic, um, uh, he was an orthopedic surgeon. He had a medical practice in Bishop, California. Uh, it was where I grew up. Uh, it was a you know, very small town in the high Sierras off 395. And so he, he, his, um, you know, practice folded um, due to a lot of different reasons I can't get into. But anyway, we moved to Davis. And so 
<clears throat> here we are. We go from this ultra-conservative, very small Christian town to this huge town um, that's extremely gay-friendly, extremely LGBTQ-friendly, extremely socialist. They call it the People's Republic of Davis. <laughs> and, and, and yet, and yet, did I get any LGBT exposure? Did I get exposed to gay pride? Did I go? Did we go to any events? Did we have any friends that were gay? Um, not openly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then I, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I developed all kind, of, I, I had all these issues, you know. So I, I, my mom, this is painful, but my mom, since that time, in, in, uh, since when I, when I realized that moment of realization, right. Um, after that, she became this, like, government CIA investigator that would, like, go through my stuff, my, my, she, you know, I would hide things in my room, like, in weird places, like, like, a, inside of a light switch, and she would find it, and I'm like, how do you, how do you know like, well, I tell, here's a funny story. This, is, this will show you how, how psycho my mom is. So one time I was sitting on the couch in the, in, the, um, in the house, and she comes out of the garage, walks into the pantry, picks up a melon, and it's a whole melon, not cut. And she smells it and says, this melon is bad, and throws it away. And I was like, uh, she had this, like, supernatural sense of smell. Like, if I smoked pot, she could... She she didn't know what it was, but she she could smell it even even if I even if I put like Febreze over it, like it was li- living in a freaking um, prison, like a supermax prison. She one time she made me take a lie detector test to prove that I wasn't wearing her clothes. She installed like this crazy like three piece army deadbolt on her on her closet and she would reference it all the time like once a week or twice a week like yeah you remember i remember what you did and and uh you know i can't stand that you're you know i can barely stand that that i have to have this lock and just all these like narcissistic attacks and i'm like god damn it mom like even though i was gonna die i i i even though i felt like i was gonna die i i I, I stopped, I repressed it. And it's like, you continue to persecute me. You persecuted me for like six years. It's like, you're the elephant that never forgets. You're never going to forget. I did this. Like, why is it so bad? And what, what makes you think I'm messing with your clothes? Mm -hmm. And, and this like oppression, this, this, this constant narcissistic attack, um, made it crystal clear that it was not safe to open the box. I had to get as far away as possible, like the Philippines or something, in order to open the box because it was not safe. Mm. It was not safe. My mom thought I was a, a, a dangerous criminal and a predator that was, you know, and that, and that was her, um, that was her uh, opinion of me through my, uh, through those formative years. So then, you know, the, then after that, um, a lot of things happened, but then after that, I started to in little bursts, cross-dress. And then that would be like what I would call the, the cross-dresser period. 
Was that at home or was that when you were traveling that you would start with the cross-dressing? Hmm. Yes. Yeah, so I have never dressed when I'm traveling. Um, there's some connection to me presenting female and safety that I, I don't really know. Again, I'm working on this stuff with Busy Gold, but um, it's like if I don't feel safe, I don't dress. And, and it turns out I don't feel safe a, a lot of the time. Like a lot of the time I have this male pride that I'm safe, but I'm because I'm a man, because I'm not, because, you know. Uh, but the, uh, So I've never, I've never dressed when I traveled. But the, the travels did um, – so there, there was years where I, I dressed at home in my own – place or wherever I was staying, if I rented a room or what have you. And, and I would, I would dress up, um, in secret, you know, and I would take awkward pictures in the mirror and save them in my Google drive and, and, and not show them to anybody. And I, I, I did that for, um, uh, many years. Like, and I, I slowly began to build my, uh, confidence, but yes, I, I'd like to, to tell you about the, the, uh, the travel impacted me in a, in a mental an emotional, physical, and spiritual way—it's uh, hard to explain. But yes, it it it, it accelerated uh, the journey. Okay. Yeah. So take us through through this this new phase of your life, then, because obviously you, as an adult, you again you 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 didn't have the opportunity to explore and to develop your true self. Uh, mm. I would say, like when you were. Uh, in your teen years and when that's usually happening for most people. Um, mm -hmm. So can you tell us a little bit about how did you go into, I guess, uh, yeah, working on becoming who you wanted to be and also maybe uh, healing. Yeah. That's the word I was looking for. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Healing your, your, your past mm -hmm. trauma uh, in order to also just feel safe and be okay with who you are without feeling you know, the, the, the sense of there is something wrong with you because you've been told that so many times, right? Right. Well, what we're doing now is is healing the trauma, being able to share my expertise uh, and being able to reach what I call the center of the bullseye, which mm -hmm. is those uh, closeted uh, men um, that want to come out, but uh, forces of evil and darkness and spirituality um, are holding them captive. And those are the people I'm trying to reach. You know, the, the most significant thing about this viral post was all the messages I received. It said, Aaron, I saw your post. And I, too, have struggled with this my entire life. And you have inspired me to do something about it. those messages changed my life um, to to have this pain and then to be thrust so violently into the into the into the into the public eye right and to be so vulnerable um, to the hate of the entire world and then to have um, professional men executives even to to reach out to you and say, and to bear their soul like that, I just, um, maybe I believe it's, it's destiny uh, for, me, for me to help these people. I mean, I can't think of any other reason why that would happen. 
this publicity did not get me a job. Um, in fact, um, I was reduced, my, hour, my, uh, my hours of compensation have been reduced uh, 90%. Um, I, um, I, I, I don't have, um, I mean, I have a pipeline, but I, I mean, I have, uh, I have, I have, I have stuff in the works, but yeah, I didn't like, nobody reached out and said, Hey, we want to hire you. You know, here, here's a fat consulting job. No, nobody reached, nobody reached out. Instead, I got, um, just all this, uh, negativity and, and people wanting to, uh, you know, steal my energy and, 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 and stuff like that. So, so I just was like, and then I was just like, well, why, why the fuck did this happen then? Like, what is the point of this? Are we living in some sort of simulation? And I just got that to see like what I would do with it. Like, is what the hell God, like, why, why would you do this to me? You know, why would you give me something that, Anyway, um, you, you know, it's just like, why did this happen? And the only thing I can think of is that it, it is spiritually significant. You know, it was meant to teach me that I need to reach these men um, that are trapped in the closet and need to be um, evacuated, essentially. So can you explain to us how uh, the traveling that you've been doing throughout your life helped you heal and, and yeah, get, get you where you are today? Yes. Um, you know, one thing that always stood out to me, one of the positive things, my mom did many positive things. You know, I don't want to make her out like so she's some sort of monster. It's just on the issues of gender and sexuality. She's not um, emotionally available. But I remember her telling me as a young child that um, uh, she went to Spain with her, with her um, grandpa, Paul, uh, Paul McCoy and Priscilla McCoy. And if you haven't checked out Paul McCoy, you, you really need to. He, he was this brilliant author and um, oil painter um, that created some uh, really interesting abstract psychedelic art that I, I think he's um, I think he's really um, uh, like a, um, a treasure. But one of the paintings that he did, I remember, I, I can see it in my mind. It was like a purple painting with like uh, brown squiggles and... Uh, she was talking about the painting and um, how he, he had actually painted it in Spain. And he'd been there for a couple years, or not, I don't know, a couple years, one year at least. And so I just remember her describing, she just had this um, happy expression on her face. And her body language was so relaxed. And, and um, I just remember that emotional impression um, of travel. So um, as soon as I got my life in order, I traveled. Um, I, um, because of what happened to me at age, I gotta give a little backstory. So at age 18, I got into a lot, I might as well just open this whole thing up. So at age 18, I got in a lot of trouble. I got a drug charge. Um, you know, it was later, uh, removed, but I ended up going into, a into rehab. Um, I got it because I got a DUI. Um, and so this derailed, of course, my college career, and um, I, I went into rehab, which is a which is a gnarly place, if you ask anybody, right? Like, it, it's kind of it's it's it is not fun. You do not like it. Um, and then I was cut off from all my friends, um, obviously, because uh, they they put me in Sacramento, not in Davis. I didn't I don't know why, but the rehab was in Sacramento, and then. Um, so basically I was raised by convicts because, um, this particular, uh, rehab was a receiving home for Folsom prison. 
And so it was like 90% ex-cons. And it was like, hey, um, uh, I learned valuable things. Like don't bump into someone in the chow line because they're gonna try to stab you. You know, like stuff like that. I was learning at age 18. Um, and so I learned a lot of other things, but yeah, I worked the program. I did the 12 steps, I had sponsees. Um, and then I got sober and then I, uh, got out of there, but then I, I went through I had a series of like terrible sexually deviant roommates. And then, um, and then, uh, I started my own business. I, I remember I, I dropped out of school. I funded it with a merchant cash advance. And if, yeah, if you don't know what that is, like Google it. It, it, it is one of the most gnarly, predatory, uh, expensive funding options on the market. And that's how I funded the business. But I felt like I was going to, again, I just felt my whole life, I felt like I'm going to die. And that time I, I felt like I was going to die. And um, at, at the time I was, I was uh, dating Amanda Jones, um, who's a very close personal friend of mine. Uh, now even, and um, we kind of collaborated or colluded in, in that, like, I started a digital ad agency and she had a, she was running a television ad agency. So we were like simpatico. And then um, once I got through that looking glass, um, I was able to do all kinds of different things um, in the world. Like, so for example, like, um, I'm really into call centers because my fundamental expertise is um, lead generation. And I learned, I learned that in the mortgage game, you know, back, I was in the mortgage game in 2006 when it started exploding. Um, and then, and so, the, you know, the lead generation, you know, it, um, it, it was the kind of the, um, the driving force. And then uh, that kind of jumped into call centers because it's like, okay, you have the leads, then then how do you call them? Well, you need uh, reps calling them, and so mm. um, then then it's like, where do you get the reps? And and it's like, oh, um, you could pay sixteen twenty dollars an hour for um, you know a, a a nice young man in in Nebraska with a with a uh, neutral American accent. Um, or you could go to the Philippines and, um, you know, get someone for three, $3 an hour, um, that actually speaks better English, but with an accent. So, or you could, you could do the same thing in, uh, Costa Rica or I should say Costa Rica, Puro Vida. And, and then, so I, I embarked on these, um, different, uh, trips, business trips, uh, to, to set up suppliers, uh, to meet uh, different vendors, uh, co coaches and consultants, uh, attorneys and and, and uh, real estate firms and right and and and, and that was the um, you know business travel that um, uh, that I did. Um, the majority of my travel, and this is this relates back to my story, um, was the Philippines. I was always fascinated by the Philippines. By many for many reasons, you know. It would well, you guys know much about the Philippines or we travel a lot, right? yeah. We've never been, but I mean, I would like to, yeah. Uh, seems to be like a beautiful bunch of islands, right? And yes, uh, the the word the operative word is archipelago, yeah. I can never say that word, yeah. I was gonna try and help you out, but I was like, I know I can't say that word, so <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just a parakeet, archipelago, so. So yes, they have all these islands. I think like eight thousand islands, mm. 
And just to show you how mental it is, so my favorite place in, in the Philippines is uh, Palawan, or I, sorry, El, El Nido. And that, that is on the north uh, tip of the island of Palawan. The capital city is Puerto Princesa. It's about a $90 flight from Manila to, uh, to there. And they call it the final frontier. Uh, because there's literally like an area at the tip of the island where, where there are all these like shards of islands. So it's like island archipelago inside an island archipelago. Oh. And there's nobody here. You can ride a motorcycle for hours and not see anybody, you know. Um, I remember one time uh, I had quit smoking and I, uh, I, I, went, I went there. I only went there one time. I remember I quit smoking and I relapsed because I went to this beach and it was the most beautiful beach I'd ever seen in my life. And there was this goddamn little snack shop there selling cigarettes. And I was like, God damn it. And like, how did, how did Philip Morris get all the way over here? Um, but it, <laughs> so it's quitting smoking is something that's been really hard for me my whole life, you know. Um, uh, it's almost like I had a bunch of trauma that predisposed me to cigarettes. Weird. Um, so, yeah. So, and then Puerto Princesas, I, I had lobster, the best lobster of my life. It was like this big and it was like $10. And, and, and um, yeah, it's just the, like the unspoiled uh, jungle. But um, another experience I had, this is a good one. So this was in, um, I think it was in Cebu. So, in, in the Philippines, they have these, um, it, it's not as nice as Costa Rica. I feel like Costa Rica is a little bit nicer. The Philippines is more, um, uh, it's kind of, uh, it's a little rough, right? Like it's tropical, but it's not as pretty as the um, as Costa Rica. I don't, I, I, that's what my friend thinks. Um, yeah, so this was in uh, Cebu, which is uh, another major metro. Manila is the, is the big metro. It's where all pollution is, where all people are. Where, where the international airport is. But then if you get to Cebu, Cebu is a lot nicer. It's cleaner, less pollution. Um, people are, are like a different speed. The food is different. Um, and then, so we were on this like, um, actually the cruise might've been in, in Puerto Princesa. I forget where, but anyway. So they have this like, um, so we bought the tickets. To, I bought the tickets to this thing. I was traveling alone, right? Uh, I don't know if I could tra could travel alone as a female. I think I might be a little scared. I might need a man to protect me. So if you're out there, man, take me traveling. Um, so we go to this um, lagoon. It's a, it's a lagoon. And and they have these, like, mandrakes, which are, like, these tree bushes, things that grow into the water. And, 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 and so what we did is we took a cruise into this lagoon at night to see, to see fireflies. Mm. So we're literally, and, and for some reason, some weird coincidence, there's this woman, this woman appears, and, and she's, uh, she's kind of masked, and, and, and uh, we sit down next to each other, and they, they, the, the Filipinos, like, they force us to sit together. Like, they're like, you cannot, we wanted, we didn't want to sit together, they like, forced us to sit together. And they're like, no, you and you are here. You're meant to be together, basically, right? And, and it's funny, they kept addressing her as ma'am, and me as sir. So they kept saying, uh, ma'am, sir. Uh, ma'am, sir? They, they would address us as a group by, by calling it ma'am, sir. Ma'am, sir, please sit down. You know, this little, tiny little Filipino accent, little tiny Filipino, <laughs> like, bossing us around. <laughs> and um, so we didn't, like, hold hands or anything, although I, I thought about it. I'm like, man, should I? And I was like, this is so weird, because so surreal, because um, these fucking uh, fireflies, like, these big-ass 
lightning bugs are flying all around and exploding like in fireworks and it's like and i just was like um i just uh went somewhere else i think i disassociated or i i had an out-of-body experience or something because it was just so crazy the whole thing was so surreal um and uh yeah it lasted like an hour or two and they fed us and um then they and they dropped us off let me tell another story. So, so about my travel. So I think like a first or second time, yeah, I'm feeling my male pride because, uh, you know, when you go to the Philippines and you're 330 pounds, they look at you like a God. Like if you're fat, I mean, a lot of them are dying of hunger, right? So it's like, if you're fat, they're like, wow, this is a king. This is a rich person because, you know, we are starving and they, they don't need to eat. They can eat. They could survive for like a year. And and so I, I got catcalled, right? Like I, I would get, I would get, literally get catcalled in the Philippines. Wow. And um, I speak a little Tagalog. I speak probably like thirty or forty words, uh, but they all of them, uh, you know, uh, speak English. Anyway, so 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 um, I knew that I was a desirable commodity, right? And I, I was thinking, like, man, I'm gonna get a Filipino wife. Like, it's my male pride. Oh yeah, I'm gonna be the big American with the you know, Filipino wife. And that was what I was after, right? So when, when I went over there, I got a Tinder. So Tinder lets you set the pin. And this is key, right? Because on Tinder, you got to talk to get it to into a date. And if, and if you're traveling, you're only going to have like a three-week, two or three-week window. So if you get on Tinder when you land, you done fucked up because you're never going to meet those people. They're never, you know, right? They'll be ready to meet in a month and you're already going to be gone. So what I did is uh, I set the pin, and about three weeks before, I started blowing people up on, uh, what was it, Filipino Cupid was another one that I used. So Tinder, uh, Filipino Cupid, um, uh, that was before Grindr, um, before I knew about Grindr. I've, I've never, I've, I've, I'd be blown away to see how Grindr works in the Philippines, to be quite honest with <laughs> you. At, at the time, I thought I was straight, right? And so I'm trying to meet Filipino women and, and, and trans. And, and I got like flooded. I, I, I got um, like, I think close to a hundred messages in there. And um, yeah, and these, these women, like they, they wanted to meet, they were motivated. Um, I, I went through a bunch of them. Um, and so it was a really kind of uh, interesting experience. Um, uh, sexual, uh, sexually. So then, in, in another, um, in what on, on that trip though. So the, here's, here, this is really funny. So the, the people like this. So I, I staying my, my assistant booked me this, um, hotel. I think it's called the Armada hotel. It's in Makati, which is like the Las Vegas of Manila. I'm staying at this hotel, the Armada hotel in Makati. And it has a rooftop bar, and I'm so stoked. I'm like, oh, but I have, I've never been to a hotel with a rooftop bar. Like, this is so awesome. So I get up there, and I'm having a drink and a smoke, and I, um, out of the corner of my eye, what, what do I notice but another rooftop bar 10 stories higher than me? So um, I'm like, God damn it. So I, like, I, leave, I leave, finish my drink, I leave, I go up there, and then I'm like taking a selfie, trying to take a selfie. Um, and I don't like how I look in the selfie. I didn't realize it was because I look like a man, but you know, maybe if I'd had some nails and some hair, I could have like, you know, did like a Marilyn Monroe pose in front of the, in the, in front of the, the city, uh, uh, the cityscape, uh, at night. But, but, um, they got up there and then what, and I'm enjoying a drink and a smoke. And what I see out of the corner of my eye, 
Another rooftop bar. <laughs> God damn it! So like, I leave and then I go and I go up there. And this place is called. And if you're ever in the Philippines, you gotta check this place out. It's called the Antidote. That is where I took my first uh, transgender girlfriend. Okay, so I met this girl on Tinder during that like Tinder period. Um, I met this girl on Tinder, and um, I was very attracted to her. She was a good communicator. She was intelligent. Um, I thought she was attractive. Um, she hadn't had the um, breast augmentation, but that didn't bother me. Um, and uh, I was like, wow, this person is uh, compatible with me. And it's they're also um, a valuable like uh, business um, uh, opportunity. Right. And before this time, I did a lot of research on the Philippines and I'll, um, I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, anyway, we, we, we started dating, but, um, I, and we had sex a few times and, and, but, but I remember when I, when we were, when we were having sex, it, it was like, um, she was very like out of touch with her body. Like she, she, she didn't like to be touched in certain areas and she just was very uncomfortable and, and, um, and, uh, you know, not, uh, emotionally it was very difficult for me to work with. I was like, I can't, uh, I don't know what's going on here. Like I'll try, but, it, it, and then she ended up, um, and this is really interesting. I think a fundamental building block for my story is she, she ended up, um, we, and then we had some kind of weird, uh, conversations on Facebook where, where I, um, I, uh, outed myself and said, Hey, I'm, I'm trans I'm closeted. Like, look, here's my makeup, you know, and I, and I opened up to her. Um, and, and I hadn't done that in person. I did it online. And then, um, we had some words and, and I sent some things I regret. <clears throat> and then she, you know, cut me off. And then, um, I, I learned later learned, I later saw that she detransitioned, okay. which yeah. is really unusual, but happens sometimes. Yeah. yeah I've never heard about that before. Really? No. Yeah, so if you know transitioning, detransitioning is just the reverse. It's when someone says, oh, okay, I actually, I was confused. I had some underlying trauma. I had, uh, you know, circumstances or I had something that, uh, um, I had something that uh, made me regret this decision. And now I want to undo everything. I want to stop taking hormones. I want to, I want the surgeries reversed. Um, and I'm going to dress as the, this gender and I no longer identify as that gender that, that happens. Some of the, you know, if you talk to some of the, uh, conspiracy theorists, um, they, they think that that's like conversion therapy because that was actually a thing for many years. You know, if you were gay or trans, the conversion therapy is the Christians or whoever would get in your mind and convince you that, um, you are making a mistake and you need to go back to the way you were, right? I mean, that is how we handled LGBTQ people as a society for a long time. And, and so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like sometimes I think like, well, you know, is somebody going to show up at my door and, you know, turn me back into a, a man? I, I, I wish they would because then I would be sure that, you, you, you know what I mean? It's like if I was forced to do that, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just kind of, um, uh, it, it's kind of interesting. The you my, my the core the core of my brand uh, is uh, my platform is is um, I want justice for the victims of, of sexual abuse you know and, and and this brings me to the final part of the Philippines you know the part that really hurt me uh, was when I was talking to these trans I I was like it was weird they just 
trans are so freely sexual, right? They just, you know, they're, we're, we're, we are a very free, we're givers when it comes to that, right? And, and it was like, hey, slow down. I, I, I'm more interested in your, your story, you know, like how, how did you get here? What happened? And, and what I heard shocked me to my core. You know, what I learned is that if you are trans in the Philippines, they will find out at an early age. And then you will be taken into the bushes at age five or six and taught how to be um, you know, a, a prostitute and, and that becomes your like identity and, and, and that becomes your role in that society. Now this doesn't happen to everybody and it doesn't happen as much to the, the, the working or the rich families, right? Because that, that if you're poor, if you're trans and born into in poverty, you're, you're, you're guaranteed to become a, a, a non-consensual sex slave, uh, pretty much. And then, and then once I learned this, like, um, I, I, my last girlfriend uh, in the Philippines, her, her, it was a girl named James. <laughs> um, James was pretty wild and it was a good time, but like I, I could tell that she had trauma, but she wouldn't talk about it. You know, she wouldn't, you know, she wouldn't answer any questions about her family. She wouldn't answer any questions about her childhood. She was very closed off to big chunks of her life. And um, I, uh, I realized that she was uh, repressing trauma. And um, what I, I can only conclude is that many, many, many trans in the Philippines are, are have that same um, like experience, but are hiding it behind a polite, you know, facade, a polite, warm facade. But really, inside, they're screaming and dying. And and and, and after that, I just, um, you know, it really, um, it really. Before that, I was a man that was I was called trans oriented, right? That's what they call it trans-oriented is when you're a straight male that's into um trans girls like me and hey and uh, um so but you know with, with this it's um that's what i thought i was right i thought i thought i liked trans girls and i wanted a trans girlfriend i wanted a trans wife um but then after seeing these like horrible experiences that they go through really thinking about it and then, and then after seeing, after, after I came out and being more connected with my peers and other people, after hearing their stories, after hearing how they've been oppressed, that they've been hurt, and, and how that mixes into, like, their gender and sexuality, you know, I don't think I'm uh, trans-oriented anymore, um, whether I'm presenting male or female, because it's just like we have suffered so much. We are, we are like, the most uh, persecuted people in the world. Um, like, show me another group that's, that's been persecuted like trans people. Show me one. And, and I, I say this to bring awareness. Um, you know, if you're out there um, and you have trans friends, like, uh, support them. They, 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 need your, they need your support. They, they have been through, um, unless they're very fortunate to be at the top of the food chain or in hiding, um, then they have suffered and, and they need help. So don't, uh, don't sexualize us, please. Like treat us like human beings. Um, don't force us to explain why we want to be a woman, even though we'll never be a biological woman. Save your commentary about, um, how this is a, uh, 
a consternation under the Lord and an abomination, and that any doctor doing the surgery should be disbarred. You know, um, save your uh, uh, unwanted uh, sexual uh, advances, you know. Like, I don't want messages telling me what um, nails to wear. <clears throat> if you want to pay for them, sure. But no, I, 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 that's, that's just weird, okay? Um, you know, it, it's like, hey, we, we are not a, um, this is not a circus, and we are not a sidecar show, and you are not P.T. Barnum. Like, I don't know what you think this is, but it's not. So, you know, um, that, that's kind of how I feel. Thank you for sharing now. I think, yeah, it's, it is, I, I was reading recently and sharing with a friend about doing some research about mental health. And yeah, I've read that, um, I think young adults, uh, identifying as trans, like, or in a statistic, like the, the most prone to commit suicide and stuff like that. It is, it, it, the numbers are through the roof, unfortunately, in, in, in this community, like you said, and, um, so yeah, like sharing messages and stories like you do, hopefully can help other people that right now feel lonely, isolated because they don't have anyone to open up to, right? That uh, if you know if that can help one person, I mean that's that's all we can wish for to be totally honest. So yeah, if you're out there and you're contemplating suicide, you know, um, contact me. I'll, I'll I'll talk to you. Um, I, will, I will help you. I'll make time for you. Um, you know, when I when I came out, I, um, I received several messages from men that I, I, I'm concerned about and remain to be concerned about. They are going through spiritual warfare on their identity. They are trying to figure out how, who they are. They are trying to speak their truth. But spiritual darkness is surrounding them, um, and I'm trying uh, I'm trying to help them. Um, I want to show you something. So I have a tattoo, and it's hard to read because it's in the mirror, but it, it reads, uh, Don't Kill Yourself. And I got this tattoo after I um, uh, came out as trans. Uh, I was on April Fool's Day. Um, and because I, I need a daily reminder uh, to live and not die. And even though people thought it was offensive and they wanted it covered up, um, I am raising... Uh, suicide awareness, it's not the core of my thing, you know, I, I can't fully support it, but it is part of the um, puzzle. My entire life was a, was, uh, is a suicide attempt. You know, I have been hospitalized um, four to, uh, five times, and, and, one, and one of them was, or two of them were um, involuntary. Um, you know, I, I sometimes get manic, and so when I'm, when I'm manic, I have uh, pressured speech and delusions and um, hostile, aggressive behavior. I crash cars. I, um, you know, have uh, criminal uh, theories about my parents. Um, you know, I, I, um, I really get um, uh, 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 going. But the, yeah, the mental, the mental health is, you, you know, I, I have never, I, ne I never was. So I'll talk about this a little bit. So um, I never was suicidal until. Um, I, uh, until I had some, some business stuff happen. Um, I don't want to get into it. Maybe I'll get into it in another podcast, but I had some business stuff happen. And then, um, I was working for a, a gentleman, um, at the time, um, who, who 
uh, let's just say we didn't relate very well. Um, and I had a, a lot of experiences of anxiety and, and terror uh, uh, interacting with them. And that mixed with the business issues and it made me feel suicidal. And that was the first time ever that that's ever happened. But when I when I had these manic episodes, they, they, they keep getting like more intense and more intense um, and doing crazier stuff and having crazier, you know, it's just like getting, you know, it escalates. And, yeah. and, and, and it's like, you know, I was reflecting all this and I'm like, wow, you know, like I have been trying to kill myself my whole life, basically. I haven't realized it. Now, and we look at these suicide attempts and, 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 and we call them manic episodes, but what are they really? They're really suicide attempts. Really, I'm trying to kill myself. And because I don't want to live because I'm trapped in the body of a fucking man. And everybody in my life has suppressed me and mistreated me because of that. And that's why I want to die. And that's why I felt like I wanted to die. And that's why I was pressured to come out because I didn't want to die. And this whole thing has always been a matter of life and death. I don't know why it's so spiritually significant. And I don't know who needs to hear this. But if you are wrestling with this, I want you to know that there is no pain greater than not being yourself. That's a powerful message. Thank you for, for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. One of something that you said about the Philippines that happened, you know, when you shared about being on a rooftop and taking a selfie of yourself, yeah, and 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 not liking the the picture because of yes. maybe the way you look and stuff like that. I wonder if this is something that's been like a common thread in your life, uh, uh, looking yourself in the mirror and seeing yourself in picture and not liking what you would see. If it's something that that, that was like always there and and how you were dealing with it. Affirmative, yes, it's very perceptive and uh, insightful and emotionally relational of you. Very good. Yes, I have always hated my reflection. Um, ever since I can remember, any time I've been in front of a photographer, it just felt weird, like I was a doll being arranged. It felt like an object. It felt, I felt like a like an actor. Uh, you know, here, um, wear this shirt because because mommy likes it. Cross your legs like this. Because daddy likes it. And, uh, and sit over here by this babbling brook because we like the symbolism. And we'll frame it, nice cherry wood frame. And then, and then um, my dad, you know, he, he took all these pictures and he put them in his office and he, he just kept them there for, for decades. Like he never updated the picture. Like I grew, became a teenager, mm. an adult more pictures, but never, never changed the pictures. Um, so what I'd like to say that about that is um, to, today, so I will say this, a narcissist is in love with the reflection of himself or herself, right? The Greek god Narcissus peered into the pool of oblivion and in it he saw his reflection and he fell in love. And so a narcissist is in love with his reflection. How do you appear to them? Everything is about narcissistic supply. Did you act in a way that inflated the narcissist's ego? Good dog. Treat. Did you act in a way that, that defamed him or damaged his reputation? Narcissistic attack. Attack. You, you bad dog. And, you know, so what I would say is, I, yes, I admit that I am in love with myself. But not the false self, the true self. Mm. Um, 
my other and, and last question really about your story was um, after all those years of being repressed uh, and then finding the strength to explore a little bit uh, different way uh, trauma healing etc what was the you know the like the, the catalyst or if it's one moment or something that was like I'm ready to be my true self and to tell the world that I am like was it like a specific event or it was like a process like a long journey well I wonder like you know what how did that how, how did you come up to, to that right so there wasn't any um so there's a couple of milestones right one mm -hmm. one is the coming out and then one is like when i started when i knew i was trans or i describe it as as like the way i describe it is i put everything in this box um but then what what happened as a result of that is is kind of like i i was taken hostage uh in my mind um it was almost like i was a secret agent uh triggered by a keyword um that activated and, and then there was like another part of my mind that's trying to control it. So I, I distinctly feel that there are two dual opposing parts of my mind. And if you look at IFS, integrated family systems, it's a therapeutic modality. It, it states that we have all these different voices or parts and, you know, usually they represent like mom and dad. And I guess, you know, um, that's all I had is, is those parts. And, and, and it's why this is so hard is my brain is organized like a family um, in terms of like the different, personality themes and it the combination and the in the mechanism is totally different on hormones as a as a woman and as a man but to your point um and that's just a sidebar but to a point it's like when did i um I, I, my cousin came out a long time ago um and they like started and then stopped and 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 i don't know where they're at um but that kind of that kind of gave me, and then you know, Caitlyn Jenner, and then all these you know, all these people started kind of coming out like bang, 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 mm -hmm. and and I was like, um, and I remember um, how I got sucked into it was uh, was Reddit. Um, I, I was on Reddit. I was on r uh, slash underscore egg IRL, which is like um, they call it the egg crack moment. Um, and the, oh, there it is. So yes, I. <clears throat> God, I just got to push this out. So I was watching some porn, um, and it was porn I'd never watched before. It was like gender-affirming porn. It was like, you are a woman, and you are going to, you know, have sex like a woman. And 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 then it was like, um, and then it literally was like, you know, uh, breaking the fourth wall and, like, connecting with my brain. It was like, your egg crack. And, and the egg crack moment is um, the the moment where you 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 you're like a baby trans. And you, 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 that's the egg. And, and so by egg cracked, I don't know. I can't. I don't know the exact date. Maybe I've written down in my old journals. But like, I had that moment. Um, uh, I think at night, and um, and I, I watched that, and I was like, oh, that 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 was the exact moment. But then mm. around that, but it took a while because this stuff was so repressed. It took a while for me to. Uh, pull that um, out into um, and, and start the incredibly difficult, annoying, and laborious process of, of, 
connecting with all your um, uh, uh, colleagues and friends and, 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 and explaining to them and spending 30 minutes to answer their fucking questions about being trans. But I started with my uh, close family and friends, and the reaction was mostly positive. You know, it was mo mostly um, a positive reaction, and, and, that, and that gave me courage. Um, I, you know, early in that journey, my presentation was, was terribly fucked up. Like, I didn't have good wigs, I didn't have clothes, I didn't have um, the, uh, the understanding of makeup very well. I, I just was so, uh, bad at being a woman when, uh, society expects women to be uh, perfect. You know, it's like I was talking to my uh, good friend, uh, August uh, on LinkedIn about, um, privilege and safety, you know, and, and, um, he's like, yeah, when I was a woman and I didn't wear makeup, everybody would ask me, am I sick? Now I get it. Now, and he was like, uh, we were talking about cat calls, getting cat called. I'm like, yeah, I got cat called once. Oh, great, fun, awesome. And then next time it's, oh, unwanted negative attention. So it's like, hey, welcome to be a, uh, welcome to being a woman. You know, people are gonna steal from you, make you a sex object. Uh, they're gonna belittle you. They're gonna disrespect you. They're gonna underpay you. They're gonna make you feel unsafe. Uh, and, and, and it's like, do I really want to do this? And, and, and it's like, okay, I don't really want to lose my male privilege. And, and the answer is, uh, yes, you know, I, I, I'm fully committed. Do you know, it's so interesting what you were saying, because like the things that I talk about with Jeremy in terms of like being catcalled, like we're here in Albania and we walk around and I'm stared by every man in the street and it's so weird that they're not even pretending to not look <laughs> or like you said about feeling safe or like there's certain times where I'm like okay we need to cross the road and Jeremy's like why and I'm like because there's a group of men he's like it's just men but like there's certain things that men don't realize that women go through so it must be so interesting for you having been like a man for most of your life and now transitioned into being a woman and experiencing both sides of that but also being a trans woman I know it's like a different level but it's interesting seeing both sides of that because I think oftentimes men are oblivious to what happens <laughs> like it's so interesting right. Right. And, and, yeah. As a man, I, can, I couldn't tell you how many times um, I was emotionally disconnected uh, from people that I was working with or talking to. Right. Like like I get, like homeless people. That's a, gr a good one. Right. So like always with homeless people, I just be like, hey, they asked me for for change. I'm like, you know, I don't have any change. Fuck off. You know. And then like I had an interaction where I was um, presenting female and there was a homeless man. And he called me a, a, a slur. And, and I said, I was just like, you too, buddy. Like, I, 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 I communicated with him. Like, I heard what he said, and I reciprocated a message, but, like, in a positive, like, affirming way. And I never did that as a man. I could give two fucks less about, you know, my employees in my office bitching about, oh, I don't have childcare. I'm sick. And I'm like, whatever. I'm like this asshole boss. Whoosh! to work peon you know and, and now it's like now it's like when i'm working with people i'm like i'm like soft i'm like ah, i'm vulnerable vulnerable help me i'll help you let's work together you know it's like i'm completely fucking different Com like night and day different and 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 yes i think it's a good and, and i'd like to speak more uh to that right because like i'd like to um you know again a, a, a live and speak your truth Right. And, and, and that knows, you know, truth knows no gender. It knows no sexuality, no age, no race, no occupation, no creed. Um, these things are irrelevant. They are static. 
It's like, who are you? Who are you? You take. I, I have had to go through the valley of the shadow of death psychologically and, and think like, okay, if I am not a male and I don't have male privilege and I'm not fully a female, then what am I? And it's like, and, and if I go back, what am I then? And if I go forward, what am I then? And, you know, when I talk to my supporters like, uh, like uh, Busy Gold and Layla Minky and, and they give me advice, it, it, it's like, it's like, is this me or is this the universe pushing me? I, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense anymore. I know it's um, spiritual um, in some way and it's about love uh, and it's in my heart. I have one last question. Feel free to not answer if it's too much. But you said that when you came out, you had a really good reception from your friends and family. What has your parents' reaction been like? Have they accepted the new you? Um, I don't know. If you don't want to answer, that's completely Ooh. fine. I'm just curious as to, because I'm oh. kind of... <laughs> no, it's, 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 it's raw. It's raw, but this is like healing. Are you guys therapists? Like, am I, I going to get a bill? <laughs> am I going to get a bill for this? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> so, so let's start with mom and dad. So mom, uh, when she found out I was transgender, uh, was so generous as to call CPS on me multiple times. Um, she, she has been, she's called CPS on me at least three times. Um, and, um, the cops twice. Um, and she's made, um, disparaging and defamatory statements about me to my daughter and I have completely cut that bitch out of my life. She's gone. Um, my dad is uh, my dad is 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 uh, emotionally distant. Um, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know what his demons are. Um, I don't know why he's doing what he's doing. But um, whatever it is that he's doing, um, that which shall not be named. Um, has been happening to me ever since ever since I was a little kid, and I really haven't figured out that part of the box yet. Um, but but I'm working on it. Um, the rest of my family's been supportive. My um, Sharon, my stepmom, has has offered help. Um, my stepsister has been supportive. She's given me feedback on my appearance. She's given me feedback on my dating partners. She's given me feedback on social. She's been incredibly helpful incredibly loving and helpful. She sent me to a, um, a lesbian uh, comedy show. <laughs> you know, the, the Dope Boys Loud, it was called. It, it was wonderful. Um, and, and yeah, so she's been really helpful. Um, unfortunately, my uh, about my friends, um, I posted on Facebook a coming out post. And um, I got a lot of responses. I got, I think, like close to 80 or 90 responses. Um, but they were all like people in business or in other circles I'd built. Uh, as far as my like uh, kindergarten, middle school, childhood, you know, uh, junior high, high school friends, both in Bishop and Davis, do you know how many uh, commented on my post in public support? Zero. Zero. Mm -hmm. That's Spanish for zero. And and so and that's fine. And and, and then you know, so it's kind of like a country song. You come out, you lose your job. Well, I didn't lose mine, but I still technically. I'm still technically employed. So, but you, you know, in the, in the context of this country song, like you lose your job, you, you, um, you lose your friends, you lose your family, you lose your um, finances. Uh, everything is much harder. It's much harder to find jobs that are trans affirming. 
and, and it's it's um, everything is more expensive. You have all these new bills, all these medical expenses, um, all these doctor's appointments, laser hair removal, um, new new costs for wardrobe, like learning makeup, um, building new friends, learning how to interact with people in a way, finding just fucking finding other people like you or that are compatible with you is. Um, incredibly difficult like on grinder like I, I got on grinder i got a bunch of you know people that let's say i got into into, into grinder and I, I found some people that are compatible one way but not the other way that i'm looking for and it's like trying to find a fucking needle in a haystack mm. you know and i'd love to if anybody out there is an expert on sexuality um i would love to work with you and interview um with you because my sexuality is and i say this without any arrogance is is so fucking complex okay it's like it's insanely complex and i have been with a lot of people okay i, I have had you know uh, like five, i don't know 40 50 partners and i've never met anyone that's even close to the complexity of my sexuality right and it's like i know i'm starting to find other people that are wired the same way and it's like um, but like I said, it's like a needle in a haystack. You, you, I am, I have an incredible, I am excited about life because I have an incredible opportunity. Um, I finally know who I am. I finally know why I tick and I'm finally finding people that like I can tick with. And, um, I'm going to take that to the grave like that, that I'm alive. I, I've never been, I've been dead my whole life and now I'm alive. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's like the perfect end of the episode. That's what I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> um, thank you, honestly, Erin, for sharing all that with us. Uh, to make like a confession, like, this is the first time I, I'm having like a conversation uh, with a trans person. Oh! Uh, so Welcome! So I've, I've, I've learned a lot and it's been incredible to listen to you. And uh, I mean, despite all the laws and, and complicated situation that you had to go through, I think Lord, your, your final statement right now, you know, uh, makes me smile and makes me happy, you know, because it's, it's nice to see, like, like you said before, uh, I think despite differences between human beings, we all want the same thing. We all want to be loved and we all want to be happy and we all want to find joy. And, and it's nice that, you know, despite a very complicated journey to get there you eventually found that and i'm happy for you so yeah thank you for for, for sharing all that with us yes um this is not don't worry this is not my final message in the final message i, I will tell all look forward to it thank you so much erin for sharing your story um yeah i'm just blown away by blown away by your courage you're incredible and i wish you all the success in the world i can't wait to follow your journey and see where you are in a year from now five years from now and yeah just wish you all the best thank you so much for sharing everything with us i'm just gonna say that i will uh considering you you mentioned that in the episode i will link your contact your linkedin profile in the description so if people want to oh. reach out to you for anything like uh, i want to encourage people to reach out to you so i will link your information I would love to connect with anybody that this message resonated in for any reason. Send me a message. I'm open to love and connection. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you for everybody watching on YouTube, listening on Spotify. We'll be back next Wednesday with a brand new episode. And have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. Yeah. Bye. -bye. Bye.